welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corcor Foundation for Mental Health. I'm Terry, the creator and co-host of this podcast. I've lived with depression most of my life, and I know how easy it can be to feel all alone in the experience. I'm not alone, and you aren't either. And I'm Dr. Anita Sands, a licensed clinical psychologist and life coach with a number of my own diagnoses, all of which bring a certain amount of anxiety and depression along with them. There is great power in shared experiences. We share our own as we engage in intimate and candid conversations with our weekly guests, exploring different perspectives on and experiences with depression. We keep it real because depression is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. Hi, Terry. Hello, Anita. Last week's episode was a survival guide of sorts for the upcoming holidays. And if you haven't heard it yet, the idea of creating a bingo card for anticipated social challenges alone is worth the 20 minutes listening time. I hope it will be, Terry. For the next two weeks, we're going to continue with a pre-holiday theme, not in the traditional happy, merry way, but rather thinking about the meaning of words like present and gift. For instance, what if, instead of buying a present, we thought about being present for someone? You've no doubt heard the saying that people begin to heal when they feel heard. Our time, attention, And really seeing and listening to someone, especially someone who's struggling in some way and who isn't right now, might be something to consider giving or even asking for this holiday season. Mm -hmm. In that same vein, maybe we can try to redefine what the word gift means. We consider every guest of ours a gift since they are literally offering a bit of themselves and their life story to make us all know that there are others having experiences and thoughts similar to ours. It truly is a gift to let us know that we're not alone. And as hard as it may be to believe, several of those guests have actually described gifts that they have found in depression. Several have said that they've gained empathy, a desire to reach out to and help other people, or that they've had to develop more patience and show more grace to themselves to get through it. Today's guest is Kristen, a published Northwest poet and artist who describes depression itself as a gift, a terrible gift. On her blog site, Kristen writes, quote, My poems are very personal. Some of them are hard to read. Some are hard to write. They arise from what my oldest friend calls a terrible gift. She once showed me a lovely bowl, made through the Japanese art form they call kintsukuroi. The artist took a broken piece of pottery and filled its fractured seams with gold. The result was a thing of beauty. It transcended its injured self. Kristen continues, I write to find that wholeness. Still, I think poetry is meant for more than the writing of it. It is meant to be shared. I believe each of us has an inner artist, infinitely creative, I would like these poems to participate with yours. Here now is Kristen in an interview she did a few years back with my sister and former co-host, Bridget.
You feeling good? I feel great. My greatest intention for all of the interviews is to keep it real because we all need yeah. that. We all need to keep it real. So anything that is in your comfort zone to make okay. it so that somebody who is in a very painful place, potentially, including suicidal, you know, might glean right. some, some things to kind of hold on to as a life raft, if you will. I'm pretty comfortable. I don't hide. I mean, this is, this is part of me. And, it, you know, I own my shadow. That's where I get my voice. Beautiful. Lucky for us. So if you're comfortable, I'd like to start with touching on the process, sort of that internal process or feelings about preparing for the podcast, because that's something that we don't touch on. And I personally found it to be quite a cathartic kind of coming out. What I wanted was to be clear. I wanted to be open. And I wanted to, most of all, make it clear that I'm not ashamed in our society Worth is tied to productivity. Mm-hmm. And that's not the source of our worth. Our worth is inherent. Our worth is part of us. It's uh, We began with it and we'll end with it. And what's important is to recognize that you can resurrect yourself. You can rise like a phoenix from the ashes. And you can remember that you have survived. You have survived many of these depressions frequently. Or if it's your first depression, recognize that they're time limited. They do not go on forever. I want to put a hand out and say, you will survive. Wonderful. And that is definitely mission number one for giving voice to depression. So beautifully said. Do I have permission, Kristen, to share some of the quotes that you um, emailed me while we were kind of lining this interview up? Yes, you do. So you mentioned to me, and I quote, part of successfully living with my illness is reaching out to others. I do find that part of being stable is giving myself extra time so that I can do things well. I tell myself that it's okay to prepare carefully so that I am not overwhelmed. And I just hope you can speak to us a little bit about that state of overwhelm and managing it because it's a tightrope that we're all walking every minute of the day. You know, when my depressions are severe, I have chronic panic attacks and it's very difficult for me to socialize. But what I recognize is that's okay. If I need to curl up, if I need to be within, that's okay. We have to give room to our depression. We have to give grace to it because that it will pass and it's okay to be in the midst of it. That reminds me of something Rumi talks about emotions and feelings as guests in our house of our, of our reality, our moment, our body. And, and I, and either I added this a long time ago, so I still equate it to him or he also said, it's okay to leave the doors open. So that they can leave. You yeah. don't, you don't I, want to I kick really them out. Like but <laughs> I, re- I really like that. And, it, you, you know, your, your podcast is about giving voices to depression. And that's important to recognize that your depression has its own voice. And that's valid. What I do with the voice that comes from my depression is I write about it. And I do that in the privacy of my home. 
I do it alone. But I found that when I have the courage to submit my poetry to all kinds of places, people are hearing me. Even though it comes out of the quietness, people hear what you're experiencing and they hear themselves in it. They find themselves and you have then created a passageway between you and people who are suffering. Well, one of the kind of astonishing, um, gosh, one of so many astonishing wisdoms that have, have kind of revealed themselves to my sister and I during this last two and a half year whirlwind is that that voice for most of us is it, it sort of says universally the same things to most of us. It's a very limited vocabulary, you know? It's, yes. It, not to mention it's a liar and a bully and, you know. Right. Richard Rohr says that anything that pulls love or suffering from you gives you the opportunity for union. And tell me what that means gives, for you. It means that we're not alone. If one of the lies that depression tells us is, you're the only one. And if you told anybody else, they wouldn't like you, they wouldn't accept you. But the truth is that 10% of the people that you meet will have suffered from some kind of depression and frequently recurrent and deep depressions. And so those people are looking for a handout. They're looking for someone who's experienced what they're experiencing. And so recognize that what you are going through has value. Mm. And your type of depression, Kristen, is bipolar disorder two, which I grew up calling uh, manic depression. And when I looked it up on WebMD, they said that bipolar two is similar to bipolar one disorder with mood cycling between high and low over time. However, with bipolar 2, those ups or those higher moods uh, never really reach full-blown mania. That's right. What you find with bipolar 2 is recurring deep depression. And the, my, the mania, they call it hypomania, is simply a, a, a reprieve where you go through periods of more energy and the ability to enjoy your surroundings. But the depression will return. I take medication, I take several medications, and they put a floor underneath those severe depressions so that I don't sink into being suicidal, which I, which I have a number of times. Um, I've had some hospitalizations where, you know, I felt like I was going to hurt myself, and so I went to the hospital to get some help. You know, if you're comfortable talking to us about this, I often feel that when we when when guests or we speak about hospitalization, that then that's sort of private now and we're not really talking about that. And I know that you said you went somewhere because you knew you needed help. But A, did you find help there? And B, just is there anything to kind of pull back that curtain and reveal that piece to us a little bit? Well, what it means is that Normally, the hospital will not accept you as a patient unless you are deeply suicidal. And during times when I wanted to take all my medication, I just wanted to go to sleep and never wake up, I made myself get in the car, drive to the hospital, and have an interview with someone and say, I am 
I am thinking of dying. And so what happens is that then normally there's a ward in the hospital for psychiatric patients. And when you get in there, you'll start seeing a psychiatrist usually every day and he'll generally uh, try to tweak your medication. And then you'll find that there are groups of other people with mental illnesses and, and that those people are interesting and they're worthwhile and they have strengths and they have wisdom. And that enables you to recognize I'm, I'm part of a community. I'm part of a group of people who have value and I have value. And so when you are discharged from the hospital, usually after a couple weeks and only when you feel stronger, you've, you've come away from the situation recognizing that you are not alone. You are not alone. Mm. And you're a poet, Kristen. Yes. So can you speak to um, what both you and Young call the shadow and how that yes. has inspired you to create and express your darkness in order to you know, move through the darkness. When we become sick, we go to a place inside ourselves that feels alone. But I found that in those dark periods, the things that come out of me, the words that come out of me are heard by other people that in fact, they identify with Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. So I take these opportunities to talk about resurrection, to talk about being a phoenix and rising from the ashes. And it comes from the deepest place within me. And I trust that it will be received. I trust that other people will find worth in it. And they do. Mm, that's beautiful. You you have shared with me that you, um, I believe it was a, a, a mutual friend of ours, defined your depression as a terrible gift. It is a terrible gift. I think that's the best description of it I have ever heard because it has so much darkness that you often think there'll be no way out. And yet, I remember one day after a very, very serious depression, I began to see um, what was around me again. I began to talk. I began to feel better. And she said, You are the most resurrected person I know. Mm. That was the deepest compliment I have ever received. Mm. You shared with me that, you know, that you work with this struggle, with this companion every day, and that you take psych meds on a schedule and that you're in therapy. And you said that you keep your life very quiet, as is also a coping mechanism that I integrate, and that you talk back to your anxiety And I'd like to hear about the talking back. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, you are beautiful. You are good. You are wise. And my depression says back to me, I'm ashamed. I'm not functional. I'm not doing what other people do. And then my husband is a real rock. And he says, You don't have anything to be afraid of. I am here. You are here. You are fine. It's okay. And he generally says, I want you to know I love you. I want to be married to you. Mm. And so glad you're my wife. And 
I say to myself, carry on. You are worthy. Carry on. And you, I would say you take it one step, one giant step further than that. You journal, you paint, you write. And as you said, you do everything that you can to draw the juice from it. Yes. Yes, I do. It has its beauty. I do journal. I journal um, throughout the day. And I also write. I, um, I make myself submit. I make myself say, what you have written is important. And I want you to share it because someone is obviously hearing it or it wouldn't be getting published. Well, on that note, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing yourself with us. And if you would be willing to close this podcast out and share with us something that you've written, because I know poetry is your sacred ground, we'd be honored. Thank you. This poem is titled, I Swallowed Hope That Winter. I swallowed hope that winter until the shape of what I'd lost grew in me, pressing an imprint into my old soul, like a furrowed field, a silent parking lot. And I nearly surrendered as it gained substance, filling in like a footprint in the rain. It took time. It took summer. But at last I began to speak of seagrass, scotch broom, and sand dollars. I sprouted wings. I sang. I shook out my dark corners. I wore a nimbus of truth that caused people to sit next to me. I saw God in everything. The bald crows asleep on a wire. The dandelions in our backyard. I digressed. I exhaled, I wandered. I found my old soul in a field of wildflowers in a moonlit parking lot. Terry, she's such a gifted poet and and a gifted human being. And the things that really stand out to me, other than just the power of that poem I swallowed hope that winter yeah. was um, was something that she said that she tells herself when she's when she's really depressed and um, she she has of course wonderful affirmations of love and support from her husband but she tells herself carry on you are worthy carry on and I love that so much. We should have it all posted on our walls when yes. when we're struggling. I think that it really counters two of the things that depression lies to us about, which is, number one, that we are worthless or worse. And then the second, that it's hopeless, um, that we really, there is no point in, in moving forward and in carrying on. So I just love that, this idea of telling yourself, carry on, you are worthy, carry on. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be one of those post-its that would be just invaluable to have on a bathroom mirror or on your nightstand or something to just sort of look at and and remember or try to connect with. Mm -hmm. A great mantra. Absolutely. Two other things that I really liked were uh, A, her uh, recognition of the value of the other psychiatric patients and Mm. then uh, 
you know, also course hers as a result. And that's just not a perspective that we hear a lot from people who say they were hospitalized. And and I, I really, really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And then her saying that it's okay. It's okay to need to curl up. It's okay to be within. It is okay to be in the midst of a depression. And I wondered as I heard her say that, if that level of acceptance might lead to a more peaceful experience. I don't know that you would you know, certainly not going to enjoy it. And I don't know that you're going to get out of it any faster, but the metaphor of, um, you know, don't push the river keeps coming to mind. It's like it, it, it exhausts you more to fight it sometimes than to say, mm-hmm. okay, okay, guess this is one of those days. Right, right. Yeah. 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 When we're tired, we should rest. And and Jim Carrey talked about if we're depressed, he rephrased that that word um, depressed to mean deep rest, a signal that it it was something necessary that he take that time um, to rest and to and to do whatever, like you said, might might help as you're waiting it out and, and resting deeply and not shaming yourself for it, I think could be a helpful part of that process. I think so too, shame on top of everything else. We hardly need that. Mm-mm. If you would like to learn more about Kristen or read more of her poetry, you can do both on her website. It is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, last name, R-O-E-D-E-L-L dot wiki dot, that's W-I-K-I-D-O-T dot com. And thank you, Kristen, for for sharing the gift of your experience and the gift of your poetry and your gift of hope with us. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate and reflect on your own experience with depression, or better understand how to support someone else who is struggling. If this episode has been of comfort or value to you, know that there are hundreds of others like it in our archive, which you can easily find at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up, even if it's hard. If someone else is struggling, take the time to listen. 